and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sam Roberts, and I'm joined today by Phil Savage, Philip War. I almost tripped over my own words there, nice. um, <laughs> probably because we haven't done this very frequently. But hey, I like how uh, we start every podcast with an apology. Though. Yeah, I got. I, let's just jump straight to the games. Um, so, choo chill then, Phil. Um, please explain this game that's extremely hard to explain and why you've enjoyed it. Um, so it's a point and click adventure about just funny things happening. There you go. Two okay. sentence explore- explanation. But so explain the kind of characters and the, what you're doing. Okay, the world of the I, game. yeah, I guess that's harder because it's a lot harder to pin down than a lot of um, the studio's games. I was about to name the studio, but it's kind of forgotten exactly. Amanita, uh, Amanita uh, yeah. Amanita Design. Nice. Isn't it? They um, made Machinarium and Botanicula and Samorost. Stuff like that. It's um, basically a toddler simulator. Yeah, I, so a lot of their games, uh, Samorost especially and Botanicula, they're, they're point and click adventures, but they're not about directly controlling a character. They're sort of about. There is a main character, but a lot of it is just clicking on things around these kind of beautiful screens that they make, and then weird little animations happen. Um, I don't think in Samurai, I don't think you directly control the character at all. It is all just clicking on bits. Chuchul's kind of half and half. Half of it is you click on things to see what happens, and half of it is you try and kind of guide this irrational ball of... um, as Pip says, a toddler, essentially. Just this kind of impulsive, selfish, annoying little black spot with a acorn hat on his head. I mean, is it really a toddler simulator? Do, do you scream in Tesco because you can't have some Smarties? Yeah, basically. There is oh, a do. lot of tantrum having, <laughs> like, essentially. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> you, have a, you have a cherry, and you're very happy that you've got the cherry, but then the cherry is taken away from you, and there is a lot of tantrums wow, because of it. It's essentially fighting some other awful creature mm. to get the cherry back most of yeah, it. Yeah, there's is. a little sort of pink rodenty thing called Keckle, which is a terrible name. But Keckle and Jide. Chuchel is um I think it's uh it translates as like a dust bunny kind of thing. It doesn't have an exact equivalent, but mm. yeah, that's the that's what you're playing as. It's like these little grungy objects that have come to life and are sort of fighting over a cherry. It's very cute. I do, Yeah, I do recommend to anyone listening to just have a quick look at a screenshot and you'll get immediately what it yeah. is and be able to frame it a bit easier as we discuss it. But I uh, mean, yeah. so essentially it's um, a game about being put in a place and that place is usually very sort of minimalistly drawn. It's like these, a, a pastel shade and a couple of characters and somewhere there is a cherry and you need to get the cherry and usually once you do get the cherry it's taken off you through either it's either stolen by Kekel or it's uh, just picked up by this disembodied hand that comes down uh, just to screw with you um, and that propels you to the next scene and everything feels sort of very disconnected between them it's um, it has less of a through line than a lot of the studio's games like uh, in terms of how it plays it's pretty much identical to Botanicula which I think is one of my favourite of their games anyway this has, that's kind of all about um, this tree and going around and collecting seeds and things and you get a sense of it as a, of a um, sense of a location from it and you don't in Chuchel, it's just a bunch of kind of standalone vignettes happen um, but it is also more explicitly a comedy um, It reminds me of those sort of two or three minute long animated shorts that you'd get between other cartoons mm. on like a Saturday or a Sunday or something and sort of that there's a lot in common with those sort of uh, I I don't know if you guys remember this but there was there was a sort of a, a subset of cartoons or animations that were like often two I don't know claymation like characters wordless characters having a fight over something yeah. you know you'd sort of get that a lot with Pingu almost but like there were even shorter form than that and it reminds me so much of those and it genuinely did make me laugh out loud mm. it wasn't just kind of frustration it it can be frustrating because it's a point and click (laughs) Um, and because some of the things are just so you can't predict what something's going to do when you click on it yeah i think it's like deliberately less logical than most point and click adventure games and that is a genre that has always had a tenuous grasp of logic (laughs) yeah in how it tries to ask you to do things um whereas this is just like 
yeah, you, you you click on a thing and you maybe get a couple of options like talk to it or you know run up it or something. Mm. And whatever you click, a thing will happen, and it's probably funny, but it's also probably not what you'd expect to happen. Like if you were trying to play it as a puzzle game, I imagine it's infuriating. <laughs> but a lot of the time, you kind of want to sort of identify what you want to do so that you can not do it and just click on some other things and sort of just enjoy the scene a bit before you actually work your way to the next thing because as soon as you solve it you're on to the next thing and those that that setup's gone you're into a new joke there's also um relatively little to actually interact with so you don't really get stuck because there's only yeah. you know three or four things that you can do at any given point mm. which is I, I found that was like a really helpful thing for keeping me moving through it and there were quite a few levels as well I yeah I think there's about like 30 scenes or so um, and only a few of them are complex enough that you could even remotely think about getting so I mean some of them you just there's one thing to click on and it's all about the animation and the music on that thing um, some of them are quite like sort of surprising mini games. Like they do a lot that plays with like other old retro games and stuff. Um, that sounds like quite a refreshing sort mm. of like framing of a, an adventure game. Yeah, totally. And so there are a couple of like ones where oh, you've got to do this so this thing's in a specific state, and then you click on this, and then but like once you've clicked on a few things on a scene, a little signpost will drop down. Um, and you can just click that and it will basically say, look, this is what the solution is. Don't worry about it, mate. <laughs> you just have to do this to click these things. It's just really energetic as well mm. and bright and genuinely funny. So. I think, yeah, like, the, you mentioned you should go and look at a screenshot of it, but also that kind of is missing something because I think it looks very sparse in screenshots a lot of the time. It's the animation there. But, yeah, it, it feels in the moment quite vibrant and rich just because it's, you know, it's very expressive and quite warm and um yeah i say like toddler in the sense yeah. of it's it's that sort of endearing like sort of uh, throwing an absolute tantrum but sort of in the most sort of funny way mm. for you as an adult observer i think yeah it's not so much like mean spirited i don't think ever it's more um here is a here is a little creature with no impulse control, and yeah. that could be funny, but it, and endearing, but also a little bit annoying at times. Um, but it just, yeah, it because it doesn't feel mean spirited. It just has this quite uh, warmth about it, and I, you know, you see sort of see the characters interact more and more, and it's like you get to a stage where you'll come up to a scene, and there'll be some danger, and like these two sort of warring creatures will kind of hide together or they'll sort of work together slightly and then they'll go back to warring once they've dealt with this external threat it kind of builds relationships in that way that's in a way that's quite there's a lot going on for what is you know a game about weird looking animals doing things at each other okay <laughs> cool it's cool um yeah i like i still kind of prefer botanicular i think um just because I'm very into the way that they integrate music into their games um they work with a band uh, i think it's dva um a lot who are a Czech sort of folk electro thing um, and not an Overwatch character and not an Overwatch character for sure um, and yeah because of its sort of nature theme Botanicula was sort of very strong yeah. on like how it presented a lot of that stuff and I think it was more playful musically I thought than Tuchel is whereas Tuchel is just like a lot of funny scenes happening which is good uh it's just how about you Pip? different how, how do you find how does it compare to the rest of their output for you like do you have any preference of their games i think i tend to dip in so i like botanicula but i i think i've never finished it same with machinarium like i i played bits of it but the point and clickiness of that got a bit too much yeah machinarium is i think more traditional as yeah, a, as and point click. I've been recommended the Samaros series a whole bunch of times and just still haven't really mm. got round to them. So it feels like it's a, it's one of those things where I, I know that you kind of probably expect me to have played, but I, it, for whatever reason, I just haven't got round to it. Oh so, yeah, yeah. I'll back the table and go, but you love flowers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What special report are you writing I'm right now? <laughs> Look, that's very important plant-related things. What box out did you just pitch to me? 
<laughs> well, it won't exist, so maybe it doesn't matter. I want to so, hear it on this podcast, because I don't know what this box out is, but I must know now. Well, it was about how um, amateur botanists use uh, culture scene, or used to, um, which is actually a gout medicine that's, that was derived from um, the corms of, <laughs> of autumn crocuses, uh, but it was Fuck able sake. to... <laughs> able to duplicate chromosomes it causes plants to like have duplicate sets of chromosomes in cells and so it would increase yield and affect fertility you could sort of make things fertile or sterile and you could you know PC gamer magazine folks (laughs) no no it's all of that sounds interesting I just think just knowing the dimensions of a box how how all of that would fit in I mean I don't know. I managed to get it quite four things box out. It's a special report. You can't you can't just submit three paragraphs of text. Yeah. Has to go in the body. We can talk about this later, but hey. <laughs> it's fine. I have you discovered the orchid fact that is within the magazine at the moment. I'm not no. sure that will make it into the final thing. Well, these are all things that readers of the magazine have to look forward to. Which well, is, they uh, don't, do they? Oh, no, maybe. I suppose not. Maybe they don't. Well, there's a bit of insight for you. Mainly See it's whether the it's troll been pip about weeded flowers. out. Oh, let's talk about Into the Breach. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Pip, I don't know if you've played any more of this, but... Um, not since um, IGF. the IGF thing. So, yes. But I know that Pretty much everyone in the office has, right? I haven't actually. I played oh, I a fair not. chunk before the um, finished release, um, the IGF build, like you, and then uh, yeah, I've not touched it since then. I think the main thing they've done since then is they've added a proper whatever the end game is. I have no idea what that is, and um, the Chris Avalon uh, bits of flavor text, mm. which weren't in the build at all, I don't think, or at least in a small form. But I hear there's more of that. So Phil, you've been playing quite a lot of the um, of Into the Breach. Certainly, every time I've been on Steam the last week or so, you seem to be playing that. Yeah, it's good to dip into. Um, mm. Yeah, I because I didn't. I don't know how much more I've got to add over what your last conversation was because I didn't really play loads of it during the IGF phase. Yeah, because I figured I'd just save it until it was out out. Uh, which I've done, but now I'm kind of, I'm still in that period where you're unlocking a lot of things. I'm just starting to try uh, different squads. Yeah. Um, so I had a game with the ones that just generate smoke everywhere that damages the enemies because it's electric storms with this specific mech squad, um, and they're more difficult than just punching dudes. But at the same time, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Should we remind people what it is? Just Probably. In case they don't. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do that, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yes, uh, Into the Breach is a new uh, strategy game from the creators of FTL. Uh, acclaimed strategy, sort of narrative choice game hybrid. Um, and it looks, it's got a similar kind of art direction, I would say, but you're playing, it's a completely different type of yeah, game. Yeah, it's isometric rather than... Yeah, it's like very, uh, like, snippets of isometric uh, strategy, um, turn-based strategy, mm plays out in about is it five turns per game yeah five turns per game and every level is like on an eight by eight grid yeah your Um, goal is to stop the the power grid from going down which will basically doom your civilization you are playing these mechs and you're being attacked by these big bug alien things um and uh, there's a couple of twists to that you can um restart uh, one turn per game mm-hmm. um, and basically undo a terrible error you made and mm-hmm. perhaps repeat it but in a different way um, <laughs> or fix what you did um, and also you can send one of your three party members back in time to the start of the next playthrough providing they don't all die Yeah. so um, each pilot earns XP when they kill bugs and uh, you can assuming you level one up you can take one of them back so they've got all their bonuses uh, for the next timeline yeah which is very handy, isn't it? Mm. And it means you have some level of attachment to those characters. Yeah, and also sort of builds into like the flavour text and stuff. It's very light on story, um, but they do get quite a lot out of these characters and the fact that they're basically in an infinite time loop mm. um, and just trying to save as many timelines <laughs> as possible. The big thing seems to be that you you know what the enemy is going to do do at any given time like you're making your plan for moves but you can see how that will actually play out yeah they telegraph their next move before you take your turn so you're always responding to that and that encourages you to try and like if you see one is going to attack a specific square you can try and move uh, another enemy into that square so that, that he damages his own team rather than 
so you. I don't have much experience of the other squads that are in the game, but like it seemed that like that first squad that I played quite a lot with, um, they're all about knocking enemies backwards. So they, are all the other um, sets of mechs like that? Or you mentioned the cloud thing there. Yeah, they all seem to have a specific sort of thing that they're built around. I know some are, um, I've, like I say, I've only really tried one alternate squad, but some are around like an ice mechanic where like you can freeze bugs and they can't move as long as they don't take any damage uh, yeah. and others just set fire to a lot of tiles you um, can also customise mechs to have those abilities right yeah well um, so each squad is made up of three classes I think there's four or five classes overall but you only get three mechs per game yeah. so um, as you complete objectives you gain reputation which you can spend on new weapons which will give you a lot of those abilities like either passive or active things that you can use um, but so so all the squad really does is sort of define your kind of opening play style and it's always good to sort of spec around that yeah so like I say the cloud squad I don't remember their name but um, they one of them's a jet that jumps over an enemy <laughs> and where it fires that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> I should play more of this game. Yeah, where it fires, it drops this. Um, it's such a pure reaction. As well. <laughs> drops this cloud, uh, and the thing with the cloud is enemies can't fire if they're in cloud, um, if they're in this smoke or whatever it is. Um, so it's a good way to just cancel an attack, basically. Um, but also, there's a different one of the other mechs in that squad has a passive that electrifies every cloud. So if they're in that, they also take one damage per turn, oh, that's and that's how clever. you start to build the the kind of strategy of that. The, the, the one I had, um, I, I got I customized one of my mechs to have. Uh, I think you could just call in a rock or like summon a rock or something like that, and then the rock would appear. In <laughs> the front wrestler. Of you. Uh, <laughs> He's an actor Ooh, now. No, oh, right, sorry, Dwayne I, Johnson. It's four thirty. Um, my brain was very slow. Uh, no. <laughs> No, just like a, I think like either a rock came from below or above, and then you could just use that rock to knock back enemies, or it could be a barrier, that sort of thing. But um, it's amazingly well considered. Like what you're explaining there, I've not even come across that mm. kind of the idea of conducting electricity to. Yeah, that's that's they've clearly thought through uh, a lot of different play styles, which is exciting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So each uh, island in the game kind of it has like a different. Uh, well, it's like fire, isn't it? Fire, ice, and. Yeah, there's yeah. the fire world and the ice world and the sand world. Yeah, I the guess. desert world. Yeah, uh, and then like so you have different enemy types on each one, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like there's some sort of broad attack types that you'll see a lot. Um, one of the most irritating is like uh, this type of bug that can only uh, hit one square in front of it. But it also attaches itself like with this webbing to that thing. Mm. So if it attaches to one of your mechs, you can't move. Um, and so sometimes it's like I really need the guy that he's sort of. You can usually get out by just attacking that thing, but sometimes that's not the best move. Is uh, you, so you need to engineer a situation where another of your mechs frees the one that is latched onto, so yeah. that he can go somewhere else. And it's You're like you know, artillery. You like hit the square next to it, and that can knock it to the side. That's yeah, something. I mean, there have been genuinely been turns where I've just sort of sat for ten minutes trying to think through every option because it's like there's got to be a way I can do this without destroying any of my mechs, but also without losing any buildings. Mm. And that's not always the case. Yeah. But you sort of want to try and minimise as much damage as possible. I like that it's not as hard as FTL. Um, uh, no, it's not. FTL was FTL is a proper like I I've, I've I think I finished it once. Um, I don't like FTL. Oh really? Ooh. No. Okay. <laughs> Controversial opinion. What's that then, um, It just does. I I don't enjoy the core loops of that game. I just like I'll get a certain amount into it and then just sort of lose the momentum I guess I just realised that I, I'm not bothered about going through that pattern of you know attacking and upgrading and exploring It's I, it, there's just something about it that leaves me cold. It can be quite gruelling I just yeah it's, I think it, the, it just doesn't really hook me in in the way that it seems to with other people so it's yeah, it's just one of those things that is. I I see why people like it, but it's not for me. Yeah, I think that the part of it I really like is the um, the idea of inhabiting that role of oh, I'm the 
I'm the captain and there's this whole galaxy ahead of us and we're going to go find all these different situations and they'll be surprising and interesting like I think that narrative mm. journey I prefer more to the nuts and bolts of destroy this room so you can then you know disable their shields and then kill all the crew with fire or whatever like that that side is definitely second to the oh you just found um you know uh, the last member of a crew on a planet do you bring them aboard and you bring them aboard and they blow up one part of your ship or whatever that that sort of role-playing side of it was always more interesting to me so i, mm. I kind of get it you know um i suppose then uh did you have anything more to add on that phil because you got your phone out so yeah i got my phone out sorry a thing happened so i'm just dealing with that briefly <laughs> okay uh, sure. and then i'll be back in the room no worries I can, um, um, I can talk to pip about the assassin's creed origins discovery mode yes um so that thing that i definitely remembered the name of <laughs> Um, yes, uh, you said I did that thing in that game where you kill the things. Anyway, no, you go there. forward in time and back in time and oh, do yes. things. That was it. What I was describing was me explaining something poorly to someone else earlier today. But that um, is yeah, what was so, what was it that you were doing? Um, I was talking about Star Trek Discovery. Ah. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so I guess then, Pip, um, you did you play Origins at all at launch? I don't think you did, did you? I so so this is a weird thing that I'm just going to mention because the bug itself is interesting. I played maybe about five minutes of it in. The, so, you know, in the beginning, you uh, essentially go through what is the tutorial. You're sort of, I think you're in a tomb for a little while, and then you go off to a town. The town's sort of like an extended tutorial too, isn't it? But I didn't really get through the town. So I, I've i played however long that is and killed, what, three people or 40 something. 40 minutes, maybe. Something like yeah. that. And so, but there seems to be something weird going on with the kill count because on the interface in the Uplay uh, platform, it tells you how long you've played and it tells you how many kills you've got. I'm on 83 and I've only played discovery mode. <laughs> Interesting. So, Are you murdering people with knowledge? <laughs> and it's going up every time I load into the game. So it's every time I, I log into the discovery tour, which is entirely, you know, a pacifist way of engaging with that game, the kill count goes up. Right, yeah, yeah. Which is slightly confusing to me. Yeah, okay, I see. <laughs> It feels like they're trolling you slightly. Well, yeah, or like maybe I'm stepping on things that I didn't mean <laughs> to, you know? <laughs> yeah, does it count small lizards? As I, like, don't uh, know. I don't know. Um, I guess then, like, uh, I, I, I know a bit about why they did this mode. Um, mm. I suppose, is it uh, an effective education tool? How does it kind of work, I guess? So I have mostly been engaging with it uh, for the photography side of things, just because I love a good camera mode. Mm. Um, and it it's actually very similar to the mode that they implemented in um, No Man's Sky, just with slightly different options. Um, and so I've just been taking a whole bunch of pictures of birds really um which as you could probably have assumed is what i would do but um i did do one or two of the tours like it, so what you do is you go to a particular point on the map and then it starts to just impart information so it brings up like a bit of text on the screen and it also starts doing like a voiceover delivery of facts about a particular thing so the one that I remember doing took me around a temple and it explained you know the different bits of the temple and what the people in each part were doing and why and stuff like that so it was it was interesting my my terrible memory means that I have <laughs> retained not much of it but I would you know I, I'm interested to go and do more of that when I when I see stuff that catches my eye it's more that it's a weird change of pace so yeah. if I'm there to tinker around with looking at the world in a particular way and framing shots or you know basically generating pretty imagery or things that I'm interested in doing it's a really weird switch to make to then go into just receiving information mode mm. um, so yeah that was that was an odd one um, and also you can tell that it's sort of really 
it can't quite let you go you know at first it was very sort of you must join the tour you must join the tour and I sort of had to figure out okay well you know you need to go over to a thing but then exit out of it before it will stop nagging you about that at first Um, but then after you do the tour for the first time at quite short intervals a voice from the sky will just give you irritating barks about like oh you know you need water for the desert or you know like oh it's just a really annoying immersion breaking experience if you are genuinely enjoying exploring this world it Mm. then just insists on having a booming voice Mm. repeating the same line you know every (laughs) five minutes or something and um, that didn't actually start until I triggered this first um tour thing so I'm actually considering resetting that so that hopefully it it goes back to just being a bit oh could you do a tour please rather than you know this voice from nowhere being really annoying I guess then like as someone who didn't play the game when it came out uh, beyond those 40 minutes in Mm. what I must call a very pretty tomb with a lot of nice detail Mm. um do you, are you enjoying like seeing more of the world than you had access to before? Because like, everyone talks about that the world in that game as being the most impressive thing about it. Like, uh, are, you, are you enjoying that side of it, of just seeing it for the first time? Yeah, although it doesn't hold you for as long, you know. So I, I do think that if you have played the game or engaged with the game and have, you know, particular... Um, areas that you want to revisit and that have some meaning beyond it as a set almost um i think that will help because i think after about seven or eight hours i've exhausted what i as a casual visitor to a pretty landscape or a or a well realized landscape want to do with it that's not bad though like Mm. uh, if you're Mm. you know if you're a passive basically playing in a passive way then seven or eight hours is still pretty pretty good innings you know yeah and that's just pottering around that's not doing the actual like education side of it that the that the thing is for and and there are you know lots of lovely little touches like um i I know that people have talked about this before um but you know if you if you crouch down you're and a cat is nearby it'll come over and you can pet it and things like that well that's the best part of the game (laughs) which is quite sweet and there are sort of uh, you know you can do some interesting things with the effects when you do want to take images and stuff like that Um, something that I was interested in is what doesn't get rendered so you know when you've got this thing when everything is so Um, well built and everything that you look at seems to be at least detailed enough to hold up to you being you know a foot away or something then occasionally things that aren't or that are sort of obviously repeat Mm. um, uh, artifacts stand out in a way that they wouldn't before I guess it's maybe an extension of the uncanny valley in that way you know it's like okay well it's close to being this realistic environment but then suddenly I've seen this same ornamental hippo in about five different locations and unless there's a wholesaler in ancient Egypt you know it's are you going down the Andy Kelly route of exposing them on uh, repeated <laughs> objects? <you know? laughs> Save it for Twitter, Pip. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so that's that's interesting. And I wrote a longer thing for the next issue of the magazine about um, insects and why one might be represented in like full detail and another one is just a blur. Okay. Nice that nice the magazine has gone full pip. Um, so yeah, I just I was going to write something funny, and then it snowed and my computer nearly broke. So I was like, oh well, I'm not in the mood. I'm going to going to talk about mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, mm, yeah, very on brand. Um, cool. In which case, the last game we're going to discuss today before we go into questions is uh, Smoke and Sacrifice, which I hadn't even heard of until yesterday. I still haven't heard of it. A man brought it to the office, ah. and so I played it. I think we might have mentioned it before. It's quite... It's kind of like Don't Starve if it was an RPG, like a yeah. narrative RPG. I'm yeah. so sure it's come up on one of those games that are coming out soon lists. Mm. I think we might have mentioned it sort of at the at the cusp of the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty cool um so you're you start in this 
world where you have to sacrifice your child to these kind of sun gods. Like you're surrounded by frozen tundra, but this one area of the world is um, you can still live there. Uh, and the um, yeah, you have to you give up your your child in this opening, and then seven years pass, and suddenly these sun things switch off. Um, I should say actually that there's a I guess like a religious context to why you have to do this like it's expected of everyone that they mm. have to give up their first newborn to these gods or whatever I think I might know someone who worked on it actually oh, that yeah. might be why it sounds familiar oh cool yeah it's, uh, it's I think it has got a dedicated like writer and quest person maybe Justin. that's you know, maybe okay. might be that name mm. kind of rings a bell mm. um, in any case it's uh, <laughs> sorry no that's alright um, Pip continues to know everybody in the industry <laughs> yeah. only by accident <laughs> Um, so after this happens, you're you're taken to this uh, underworld. It's like a, a, a dark, crystally kind of looking, um, weird fantasy, dark fantasy world. Um, and uh, you, from there, you you have to survive basically. And uh, you're, you're first taught to make like boots and to make like a lantern. Mm. Um, and there's like a time. Uh, system where at night time you'll be surrounded by this smoke so you always need a lantern or you'll you'll die um, or you need to be near a light source uh, and you can only save at certain points in this world and all the kind of like crafty don't starvey stuff is there yeah. you attack these creatures, take their little tentacles or whatever and make a thing out of them um, there's a, a lot you can craft actually but I, I quite like how um, reactive the world was You there are these like um, porcupine pig hybrid things in the world and then there's these floating pork you pine yeah i think they might be, they're called something like that oh. i i kept meaning to email them afterwards and ask for a glossary because it was quite <laughs> there were a lot of terms i was like Ugh. yeah these like these, these jellyfish looking things called polyps that like um and they they i i found a whole bunch of both of those creatures and they all just started having a fight and then mm. i came along and collected all of the remains but Having that kind of reactivity was quite quite interesting. Um, it's very very simple interactions. Like some of the hitboxes, I was a little bit like it felt like things weren't connecting. I was trying to catch um, little bugs with the net. So you're like this one, Pip. Uh, <laughs> and um, I was I felt like I was missing too much of the time. But but it's uh, it it looks really nice and it's quite interesting to see some survival mechanics framed around what a story game with a what feels like a definite beginning, middle, and end. Hmm. Like, you find um, this feral child in this uh, underworld, and that's one of the newborns that was just, you know, sacrificed to whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah, these sun gods or whatever it is. Um, and, yeah, seeing that play out was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was I thought it was really cool. And there was a... The, the power curve moves quite fast, so I, I had my boots and my stick, and then I had gas bombs, and you build all the way up to having, like, mechs and stuff. And, like, because uh, it's a... It's a survival game you have to keep things repaired and upgraded and stuff mm. um, but it was uh, there's a, a lot going on there and it's meant to be a 30 to 40 hour game and I only played about an hour of it so uh, yeah yeah, I thought it was cool and interesting and a good reformatting of a lot of ideas I've seen before How far are they through developing? Do you know? They wouldn't say they just said they're going to release it this year <laughs> but I... They refused <laughs> they denied me it's None of your business <laughs> I said this seems pretty far along, and they went, know. "Yes, it does." <laughs> yeah, um, they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't say. But I bet it'll be out before the summer. That okay. was that'd be my right. bet. Um, it feels pretty close to being done. Um, but I did like it, despite the fact I I I hate crafting systems. Mm. <laughs> um, it's just very simple uh, in menu stuff, and I found that I was collecting a lot of the bits as I went. Like there wasn't too much. Oh, I well, now I have to go and kill. Um, yeah, ten porcupines or whatever and oh, okay. um, and have 10 hams to make a, a super ham or whatever that's not a thing you can make you can't you do get ham from killing them um, make a ham mech <laughs> <laughs> yes um so yes that was uh it, it's kind of interesting i'm keen to see how that mech stuff plays out like it must be a a lot of points in between that because you're not going to just go from having yeah. fur boots for the first time to I'm in a mech now a yeah. pork I mean, mech to be fair in your description you went from a stick to gas bombs so that did happen quite quickly yeah uh, it's, it's quite a nice looking cool game like Curved uh, Digital publishing it and uh, yeah I was um, I was pretty impressed I'd never even heard of it and I came out thinking oh wow this it's good it's nice when people bring a game to the office and it's good you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing that's handy yeah it is good yeah um, so yeah, yeah, that's that was the that was the game that I played recently alongside 
a bit of the Vermintide 2 beta, but uh, Phil, we said we'd talk about that on another podcast. Yeah, we? the, it's, it's out today, isn't it? We're yeah, we're recording this. Over the weekend a bit. Yeah, we're playing on Sunday. Get so the we'll talk, talk team back together. We'll talk about that. We've also got, um, we've all got codes for uh, Rainbow Six Siege Year 3 now, so we're tempted to dive into some of that, aren't we, as a team? And Yeah. See when, if we can do a thing. Can find some time. Damn we it. We have so many things that we want to do as a team. Murderous pursuits is on the on the list as yeah. well. Yeah, and Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah that's helpful. So, um, two or three of those things probably will never happen, yeah. but we will try our best. Guaranteed. <laughs> We I think Sea of Thieves will definitely come in in our pajamas one day and just like have a little land party in the <laughs> middle of the office. <laughs> I do, I do want to get into Rainbow Six Siege a little bit though, just because I like the whole mech. Uh, sorry, mech. I've got mech on the brain. Um, like uh, drone scanning element to it at the start of the level and so the different. I I held I played bits of it in beta, but I remember I was daunted because. I mean, I'll happily play it with people that I know, but I remember that I didn't keep playing it because, you know, with stuff like um, Counter-Strike, essentially, even if you are the most confused person in the world, you can buy an option from the list and then just move your cursor around and try and hit things with it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas this was a lot... first-person shooters. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It didn't have all of the extra bits that I've now come to associate with what Call of Duty is now. Right, it's yeah. essentially like, okay, well, have you got the mega streak of nonsense that lets you deploy this thing? And I'm like, look, mate, I, I really just, <laughs> I, I can't with you right now. So, <laughs> just, could you not just ask someone else? Um, and Rainbow Six Siege felt more on that scale of things because it was like well have you deployed this particularly confusing thing under the door and Mm. I'm like I don't know I'm hiding under a desk (laughs) what do you want from me why is your drone in that bin (laughs) yeah and you're like the button was look lads I just thought this was a photo mode alright That's why, roughly why I came here. I'm well, standing it's a nice there, of the like, why weren't this holding voice in the my sky hammer shot? and looking at a butterfly. Like, <laughs> everyone, over here! Everyone's I found been, it! They're coming through the door! <laughs> They've not rendered the mosquitoes properly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we trolled you good, Pip. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, um, uh, you, so you found it a bit daunting. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was... I, I think I just, I prefer, or I naturally gravitate towards things that don't want me to multitask. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but we, I'm happy to for this to be a joyous shared catastrophe. Yeah, well, that's it. We'll all be shared. Say, yeah. Yeah. Were, were you playing with people who expected you to be good? I was playing with people who didn't expect me to be good, but were good, and therefore I felt a bit annoyed. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you won't have that problem. Yeah, we'll all be terrible. It'll be great. Um, good, so we'll try that. Um, I suppose then, Phil, can we move on to the questions? We can. Phil has to get his phone out I'm going to get my phone out and just try and avoid all the bad emails. And I'll do my best to uh, fill the next 10 seconds as Phil uh, finds uh, these Shall uh, we things. start with uh, PC Gamer Club folks uh, who have asked questions through our Discord? Yes, PC Gamer Ooh. Club, yes. Yes. Uh, so Avagad just asks, so you've been playing into the breach, what's the best team and why is it the one that makes smoke electric? Well, Phil. So there. I actually don't think they are the best team. <laughs> I found them a nightmare to try and use. It's just because it's a very different. I've only played a couple of games with them, and like one, one thing has um, the the default set has uh, a big trad kind of stand-in mech mm. that has a dash move uh, that can dash across the entire map and punch something, that's and that's cool. cool. Do you have to do it in a straight line? Yeah, just straight line. Yeah. Boom, punch, moves it, and it's like. I can I can get my head around that because yeah. it's punching. Okay, and this one's just got like jets that fire smoke, and there's one that doesn't do any damage. It just like moves things, so Ooh. it's like completely about like repositioning, and it's like, I mean, it's useful, but you've really got to think about what you're doing and not screwing a thing up. Yes, that feels like one of those things where so in Dota there's a few characters or a few um, a few heroes rather and a few items where I'm kind of like. Grown-ups use those. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, do you want the mech with air jets that shuffle a thing around, or do you want to p- 
puncher thing. Yeah. yeah. I know what I want. <laughs> you see, this is the problem. The Counter-Strike versus about. Rainbow yeah. Six problem all over again. <laughs> Here's a slightly weird thing from uh, in- I had of playing Into the Breach, which is when your human characters die, but you still have the unit in the next battle, yeah. and you have AI. I found myself getting more attached to the AI than some of the human characters. I was like, you know, as like my sort of like, you know, humanless mech would punch a bug into the sea, I'd be like, good work, AI buddy. <laughs> and like, I don't think I had that same connection with human characters. I don't know Do what you think it's me. because of working now with so many remote colleagues that you've just decided that <laughs> they're just slack notifications. Humans just live in boxes now. <laughs> oh, it's depressing. Um, yeah, maybe that is what's happened. What's the uh, <laughs> what's the next question, Phil? Uh, Jayhan asks. Um, have you ever had fallings out in the editorial process regarding game scores or championed a rethink? Um, uh, I don't know if we've ever fell out because I don't think any of us are that emotionally invested. Uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, that... It's because we make it all up. <laughs> game of the Year stuff can be kind of... That top 100 be, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But sort of more in terms of it being a... a as a collection, sort of making a statement, I guess, whether you sort of intend it to or not, and mm. then sort of thinking, oh. Yeah, that's it. Actually, that, that, is, that is much more than reviews, an area where we. Like, There's a lot of back and forth over deciding whether we'd make No Man's Sky our best update thing. Yeah, also like um, make, oh. giving Tacoma and everybody's got to the. No, sorry, not that game. Um, Edith Finch, sorry, mm. uh, separate categories oh, and like yeah, fucking naming things is actually the worst job that we've created for ourselves. That uh, horror, we got rid of the best horror game category that had Evil Within two and uh, Resi, Resi five, five um, like things seven. like that. Yeah. And like some that. stuff would only fit online because there wasn't space in the magazine. Mm, and yeah, PUBG yeah, had quite a discussion issues. around it as well. Like, were we going to include it? What do we do? We gave it the right award in the end, though. Didn't I think I, I think we gave it a reward that kind of absolved ourselves in case the release version was a bit naff. Yeah, and it actually <laughs> seems like they've sort of got it together a bit. Yeah, but you know, we, we were celebrating the kind of effect it had over the course of a year more than whatever it ends up. In it the did future. make the year more exciting and interesting, and that kind of represents that. Uh, but yeah, actual like scores. I'm trying to think of scores where we've had a like a prolonged discussion. Really, no. I think the only thing we ever need to do is sort of just. Advise people sort of pay it, you know, reread the score guide a bit and just sort of get the quirks of it over. Especially freelancers. Freelancers, especially. Yeah. And that's sort of to be because they don't live in our world all the time. Yeah, know? like our score guide is very specific. Um, mm. It's not quite like, it's not edge harsh, uh, but also it's not. Careful, no one from Edge hears you say that. <laughs> Edge readily admits that a seven for them is uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you know, they know what they're about. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, like, occasionally I've emailed people to say why this score, given the overall tone of the mm. review, and so that can be a case of maybe needing to like rework the the text because yeah. it's like oh well if this is definitely the score you want to give it then the text doesn't quite yeah. give that impression or... yeah. yeah you've got to you've so, got to make yeah. sure the text drives that score and part of it yeah. is just saying like hey we want we want a 7 to be t to be a game that you can like if you yeah, like yeah. a game and you don't love a game you just like it don't automatically give it an 80 you can drop that down and it's that's reflected by a score guide it's an interesting one recently actually i i i almost went to you and said we should send back <laughs> Tom Hatfield's um, review of All Wars Must Fall. Okay. Just because he hated the randomization element and what that did to the game, but then also seemed to really enjoy the aesthetic and the subject matter, and it was a tricky one. And then you found that other reviews had the same thing, mm. where like, oh, uh, this has some problem. It is slightly too style versus substance, but at the same time, it's the style is really good yeah it, it almost becomes more tricky when there is like a thing that you do really rate about a game but then there's just that edge of it that just doesn't quite come together well, yeah. stuff like I mean you know I haven't had a game like it for a while but stuff like Deadly Premonition it's like there is so much in that game that I adore and so much that is totally broken so how do you even reflect that in a score you yeah. know yeah I mean do you average out the broken versus the not broken? <laughs> or like, you know, it's it it can just be quite hard to 
as the person who writes it to then like feel what the score is because sometimes they just present themselves to you. this is mm. definitely a 63 this is definitely yeah. an 82 I find that yeah it's not arbitrary but like it does hit you you know yeah you, yeah you just sort of narrow it down as you think about the game a lot yeah you sort of know what score range it's like um but yeah some just do not present themselves with a final score life is strange was a tricky one for me because it was episodic and i was trying to review the entire collective (laughs) story of that thing and i think i settled on high 70s just as a i do really like this but it would be weird for me to pretend there wasn't problems yeah there was like a couple of episodes that people were yeah right so whereas like edf uh is a dumb game full of stupid things that happen to ants and I gave that an 80 because it's like you know what you're about and if yeah. that's the experience you're looking for it's spot on like that said Dynasty Warriors failed to do the one thing it was for and that got a bit of a kicking didn't it so, uh, yeah. yeah that's that did not oh, is it Dynasty not a Warriors in progress not, well sort of um, <laughs> it's become a sort of now playing kicking because uh <laughs> I, I almost don't want to play any more of that game to get to the point where I can like. Oh, did we not uh, review in the end? No, it's, it oh, okay. didn't get a review in the end. For some reason, I live in a world uh, where I thought it did. We I talked can... about it when it was going to be. Oh yeah, and yeah. then yeah. Thanks, Isabel. <laughs> What's uh, editorial things happened? Well, uh, should we move on to the next question? Can do. Yeah. Are there, are there any others before I say that? Oh, there are plenty more. Oh, um, great, great. Last one from Discord though is uh, any standouts for games that you've enjoyed. But were obviously not targeted towards your demographic. That's probably a good what? one for you, Pip. <laughs> what I just gonna, I, that was by Blurm. I, I felt like I was talking a lot there. <laughs> but I want to have some water. So. Oh, I see. I see what this is. What games are your demographic, Pip? I don't know. I've never really been sure, to be honest. Because, you know, in terms of where I specialise with what I write about, it's esports mm. and then art games, so it's like the sort of the hyper hyper competitive, like percent of a percent, and then there's like the, the you know colourful walking You're through both a dream thing. Very into indie art games, but also are slap bang in the middle of a certain company's targeted advertising I demographic. Really am. It was terrifying to realise this, um, but yeah, it's kind of the, the hardcore games sort of demographic I was like oh I did not expect (laughs) that I'm playing Proteus right now um yeah so I I think I wasn't expecting to like playing um Counter-Strike gun game actually uh as much as I did but I think that's mostly because I was playing it as a kind of kickabout mode while I was on Skype with friends so but I, there was something like really fun, kind of almost like running around a playground to it that I, yeah, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. But given that I do like first person and third person shooters, it's like it's not that it was unusual, it was just, yeah, it was more that I just thought, oh, I guess. You know, if, if everyone else is playing it, you know. <laughs> no, I sort of get that. I uh, I suppose like um, you were into Destiny for a while, right? And that's kind mm. of like outside of those. Well, I was two super game into types. Destiny. I never really got into Destiny two, even though I thought I would. But yeah. that was more like a. I I realised that part of the appeal was playing it with friends, and then um, I see those friends a lot more often now because I've moved to where they are. So yes. it's mm. like. That makes sense. <laughs> it was. It, there was less of a pull to play it for those reasons, and so the story and and missions themselves didn't necessarily hold up in the same way. Yeah. So yeah. How about you? Um, it's interesting. I'm such a generalist. I I try and play a bit of everything, really. So I um, I've but I have recently I've recently got The Sims, but I've not played it yet. But I do. I saw. I'll be honest, I saw some dogs, some good dogs <laughs> in some screenshots and thought, I want some of that. So that's what's going to happen. Nice. Um yeah, and uh but other than that I don't really I don't really play anything outside of I don't know, I play all the action adventure games, immersive sims, FPS games and a bit of sport with Rocket League, I guess. What about you, Phil? I mean, as uh as a male in my early thirties it feels like the entire weight of the industry is trying to target me as a demographic. <laughs> Such so, a burden. <laughs> I actually think that I it's more that I get surprised when I'm not into particular things you know like there are some 
sort of quite um you know naturey wafty kind of games that people people in general but i've been recommended a few times by people i know and mm. i'm just like no i really don't like it mm. for whatever reason usually it's something very kind of uh, oh, i don't like how the camera moves or it's mm. um <laughs> i like that you're sending up yourself <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> but it's yeah it's, that's the way round it tends to work for me if mm. you, yeah okay fair enough What's the uh, next question then, Phil? Uh, okay, so now we're moving on to Twitter. Um, we'll sort of skim through some of these. Bit of a dip in quality of the questions here. <laughs> Ooh, April on, Daniels wow. asks, will the flood of Warhammer 40,000 adaptations ever cease? To which no. the answer is no. No. It's, no, no, no. They do make a lot of money, in I the assume. grim dark of the far future, there are only 40k there are adaptations. adaptations. <laughs> It does seem like um, I. I wonder if I could get the license to make like a Twine game about <laughs> like Space Hulk, the Twine game. You know, <laughs> there are Tyrannids down this corridor, and there are none down this corridor. Which <laughs> corridor do you take? <laughs> Back to start. <laughs> Maybe you could use um. What's uh, the Inkle? Uh, well, I was thinking of the um. Oh, the the engine that was it Stephen Lavelle made uh, you know the, the puzzle oh, like yeah, the yeah, block yeah. puzzle oh, yeah. version you could do like a, <laughs> <laughs> a block puzzle version of you could, yeah you could do a 40k version of avocado pusher yes nice, <laughs> yes. That. It, yes get in the big bucks <laughs> necron pusher <laughs> okay um, uh, Tyler Potts asks what's your favourite kind of cheese do with that question what you will. That's a pretty good one, actually. I, 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 was, only, I was only joking about the Twitter uh, Twitter thing. Well, yeah, you would say that now that cheese has come up. Well, I thought April's question was good, too. Oh, enjoy your brand. Yeah. All right. Um, so I think uh, right now I'm really pretty deep into um, Chavot, uh, or Chavreau, I think it is, goat's cheese with chives in it. Right, yeah. Can, but they've stopped doing the chives variant in um, in Waitrose, but they still do the figs variant. Who wants figs in cheese? <laughs> that's fair. No motherfucker, that's who. Could you not buy your own chives? <laughs> I, I, I don't want to mix it myself. I don't, it's an additional expense. I should have to buy add-ons to my cheese, apart from crackers. <laughs> DLC. <obviously>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheese loot boxes. This microtransaction comes courtesy of Waitrose. You surely got opinions on that, Phil. Come on. I mean, I do, but I feel like I've probably explained them before. Like, there's no way I've not had a cheese round on this podcast. Okay, yeah. Now someone's got to ask, what's your favourite vape, whatever it's called? A vape flavour or a Do they have camembert flavoured vaping? (laughs) God, they probably do somewhere. That sounds disgusting. (laughs) sounds horrible. I do not want cheese in the form of some smoke (laughs) that goes in my... Body. Smoked cheese is a thing. Yeah, it's literally a thing. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying that leave the smoke out of it. Okay, go on. <laughs> I, I'm actually dialing, dialing back slightly from the middle class cheese shop cheeses that I've been on for the last year. I've done I'm just thing. going back to like classic porcelain or German smoked cheese or just like the ones that are basically plastic but kind of tasty anyway. Porcelain's got a good sort of, uh, it's kind of like basically a posh cheese for people who aren't posh. Yeah, I was like, the, the reason I sort of started eating it again is because I went back home for Christmas and Portslough's kind of the cheese that my mum puts on a yeah. spread when she wants to, you know, put a bit of effort into it, like into the <laughs> yeah. buffet. It's kind of the picky tea that you get when you mm. when it's Christmas, and, yes. but you yeah. want to get out the good cheese. But you don't want to call them out on the fact that I've had I'm I'm several oh. cheese levels above you right now. God no, no, that would be I've the had height of rudeness from places you'd never believe, <laughs> like <But> Somerset. <laughs> so I'm gonna just lower the cheese tone and say that I'm into um, cottage cheese with pineapple. Oh, that, mm. sounds, that sounds like cow to me. However, mm. I'm pleased that you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've got cheese fatigue. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, I overdid it a bit with the brie for a while. So brie, I've gone off brie slightly. But then um, I bought that banging M&S sandwich that you recommended, Phil. Ah, the brie and bacon. I've not been able to eat that after you pointed out how many calories were in it. There's a lot of calories in that There is admittedly 700 or so. How do you even get that in a sandwich? Anyway, we don't need to go into that. I think we do. You've ruined my lunch. (laughs) I'm on for peri-peri chicken wraps now because they're only 400 and life's not worth living. Yeah, but look, we're of a similar size. We cannot, (laughs) men of our size cannot survive on... 400 calories for lunch. It's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> You've got to at least have a, a grab bag of walkers to go with that. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, while I'm scrolling. 
I've actually been going into some deep fried mozzarella sticks recently. Ooh, Ever since good. watching Deep Fried Masters, oh, we were like, yeah. started deep frying things I'm just for fun. So, so is it just that there's only one season of that on Netflix, or is there only one season? I think there's in only the one world. season that ever happened, and okay. it's a tragedy. That's upsetting. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, did you uh, see how they moved it from fry who you are to fry yes. the thing that you're known for? Yeah, like four episodes in. So, yeah, they tweaked, they okay. tweaked the format, but not Piece in a way that made any difference. They just so like reworded it. I think it's it. because conceptually it was probably quite confusing because you were asking somebody to deep fry the concept that they have the of themselves. The concept of themselves, yeah. Which was, that was... I can't believe my friend Dave recommended this and literally everyone on the team has now seen this. <laughs> have you? Me. No, I haven't Well, actually. you're letting the side down. You yeah, really are. You can't contribute to this. Oh, I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't watch food programmes on Netflix without getting starving. I watched one episode of that Ugly Delicious. It's really good. This one is usually fine. You. It's not appetising as such. Okay. Um, yeah. And but they've you got do the inventor need to... of fried butter as one of the judges. Look, you, but the thing is, I have pretty low standards. <laughs> I will eat most things fried, look, <laughs> except for like glass. And Just wait, stone. You, you, <laughs> If nothing else, watch the episode where a man called Goose deep fries oh, some gummy worms. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard with that one. That sounds pretty good. I'd eat that. <laughs> that goes so no, wrong. It's no, the most, no. It's the most amazing bit of food television, it's, like game show. Oh, oh so it's good. good. Oh, okay. Deep Fried Masters, Netflix. Check oh, it out. Shit, you two get, don't get this excited about anything else. That's amazing. God. Anyway, Zeke Furness asks, would you rather have really long arms and short legs or really long legs and short arms? What was I saying about Twitter, quality of Twitter questions again? Well, Surely the obvious answer is, like, long arms, short legs. I've kind of got long arms, short legs, but, like, not massively. My arms are quite long for my body. It depends, because if you are the sort of person that runs late to a lot of things, long legs might come in useful. Well, you say that, but somebody <laughs> who's, like, just... It saves you maybe, like, ten seconds, doesn't it? Look, I have I have dated a very tall person and he would be at the very end of the road by the time I was, you know, just coming out of the front door. So it was, you know, That's and fair. then and then I'd have to do this awful little run to keep up. It yeah, was like the saddest. But as somebody just <sighs> over six foot, like door frames do become a problem. So any more than that and you're going to... And I've got I've got a, a small uh, pointer about being uh, someone with long arms is I can scratch any point on my back at any time. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you name a quadrant and I'll show you. Right in the middle of the... Name a grid upper. square. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no. Well, bloody hell. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, wow. people at home can't see that. but Point hey. made. Yeah. No, the the man can. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. I'll put that I'd have way. long arms because then I could reach things. Yeah. And... I could reach other people's food really easily <laughs> at, a, at a dinner. <laughs> Short arms just seems like a bad option. Yeah. Okay. T-Rex has died out. Exactly. Yeah, that's... That I don't like need evidence. anything else to make me look more like a T-Rex either. Because <laughs> sometimes I, I... When I go to, like, my, my weightlifting classes, sometimes, like, this bit gets, like, really stiff, and so I am actually walking with sort of my my hands as, as tiny yes. length. And that's um, surprisingly comedic to other people, but not to me. You really slowed down when you were saying that, to the point where I bet people at home like, the post a podcast had actually hit the 0.5 times button. Because you're like, but not I was luxuriating in my own sadness because no one else will give me sympathy. We didn't need to spend right, this long on this question. question. Yeah, next question. <laughs> anyway, the next question is attempts to cause an international incident because Jeff Fujimoto asks, is Bathtub Geralt better than Coconut Monkey, uh, which is a member of the UK team? Yes, just, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I, I'd say that Bathtub Geralt is a PC game, a global thing at this point, though. I mean, we all True. made it a meme, didn't we? But that was kind of, it was a long campaign. Maybe that's why it's better. It brings us all together. I don't understand Coconut Monkey. No. Um, because, yeah, I just, if you didn't read PC Gamer US in the 90s and noughties, you wouldn't know that. I don't know, know what it is. Like, what, imagine, right. I'm very post-meme right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. Next question, then. Uh, uh, Nick Polito asks, what games are you most looking forward to in the next two months? Which is like an actual question about games or something. Holy shit. <laughs> we what? got there. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> is this the last one? God, no. There's so many. Oh um, my God, I'm going to skip a lot, though. <laughs> yeah, let's speed this up, then. Pip, you go first. Games looking forward to in the next two months. Uh, I can't remember what's coming out in the next two months. Cool, Sam. Um, <laughs> I can't either. Um, let's sea think. of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, yes. Definitely Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves and Vermintide. I'm really looking forward to having some good four-player co-op games. So, yeah, that's good. Mm. Um, yeah. Good. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Pillars Phil. will be good as well, but like I've not played Pillars 1 yet, so I won't be playing 2 for a long time. Yeah, I, I don't think there's loads else that's on the calendar that I'm that excited about. Uh, I'll weigh out and kind of intrigued about playing with my partner. I think that might be good for mm. the prison EA thing um, by that man, that very charismatic man who says outrageous things. <laughs> um, cool. Next up. Uh, well, that's barely even a sentence, let alone a question. Okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on cryptocurrencies driving up the price of graphics cards? Asks uh, Daisy Steiner. That's it's, a spaced reference. It's bullshit. Next reference. Nice. Reference question. <laughs> question. I did it. Somebody asked, what's up with Darksiders 3? Mm-hmm. It's been made, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, the last video I saw that looked pretty good, I thought. I thought it's, it, the first video was a bit rough, but mm. yeah. Good, good. It should be good, hopefully. THQ Nordics made some quite good games. What's your way too early pick for game of the year so far? Subnautica into the breach, surviving Mars, or something else? Subnautica. Uh, into the breach, but I need to play more of it, really. Mm, yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, I've not played surviving Mars yet. Well, I played like five minutes of it and was confused. Not, the embargo hasn't lifted on it yet, has it? Has it not? No, I don't think so. Okay, then. The review's not on the website, so. Pretend I didn't That's say anything. That's a thing that I'm looking forward to playing in the next It looks very pretty. Yeah. I it would like nice. to see how I get on with it. Mm. I wouldn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, next question. Any comments on the decline of machinimas over the last decade? Okay. Ha- have they? Dunno. Um like Anonymous is still going, so I'm happy. <laughs> I never watched a machinima ever. I have nothing to add on this. Cool. I yep. mean, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think my response of have they mm. is <laughs> Alright then. Uh, whew. Okay, then that's a question. Okay. Uh, do you think there will ever be a point that hashtag indie games are considered to be hashtag AAA games? Uh, I don't know what that question the means. The terms are already a little bit irrelevant. Mm. At the moment, indie is a genre that's meant to be a bit left field, but it would be good to see the Switch that encourages big name developers to create odd and interesting games. Uh, the Switch as in the console, or the Switch as in... <laughs> yeah, I was wondering the, that. What? <laughs> <laughs> not the console. Okay. It's not capitalised. Okay. I think they're just saying, hey... But this is Twitter, Phil. <laughs> I assume, just judging by Twitter discourse in general, that uh, why aren't your play games more interesting, like what indie games is? I, see, I feel... Sorry, Pip, you got... No, no, it's... I, it, it's one of those things that it's a complicated situation that requires, like mentioning of a whole bunch of economic factors and business practices Probably and the way franchises our, work, blah, 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 blah. For blah, our blah, speed blah. round <laughs> question. Indeed. And I, I would, I'd say and largely like um, genre classification. The classification of what is and isn't indie or AAA is such a tedious semantic It really argument. is, isn't it? And Who also cares? what is and isn't interesting is going to vary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you just buy the games that are cool. Just read our reviews. All the ones you want. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if it's cool or not. Just just, just make yourself happy. Farrell asks, (laughs) what game do you want to come to PC that is never going to come to PC? Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. I'd be massive on PC. Why has no one made a clone of that for PC yet? Isn't it Stardew Valley? Well, you can't play with other people. I suppose you will be able to, but I mean, like, live in the same house and stuff. And Also, um, you have less chores to do in Animal Crossing than Stardew Valley. I, that depends how you play it, Sam. <laughs> but I mean, it's more open to it. You know, you don't have to have like a, a you don't have to have a mini economy going if you don't want to. I suppose I've, there are factors that press you. I have just earned Gracie's store, like the final store enhancement in my um, DS village. I'm very happy. Still no blue roses though. Okay. Furious. Pip is Curious. much deeper into the end game of Animal Crossing than I am. Quite clearly, um, oh. I did. Like, I did play it for eighty hours, but the DS one was the one I played the uh, the most. I played it for about four hundred hours. I'm still playing Pocket Camp, and I don't know why. Uh, Margie the Elephant just joined that, and she's rad. Um, Phil, what about you? What do you think on this uh, question? Probably Breath of the Wild because oh, yeah, it's uh, the best immersive sim. It's the best game, isn't it? <laughs> just the best. Game. Pretty good. Be yeah. nice on PC. Um, I burn. And I think, for obvious reasons, this will be a, our last question of this session. Okay. Asks, why do you waste your time with us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to get that existential at 5.20. It's uh, been a long day. It has been, it? A lot of meetings today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I'd say, like, because the podcasts are good. Emails. Podcasts are good fun. I see you like sitting in that chair as well. This chair is very good for my posture. It's... <laughs> 
I should have got here earlier. I'm just on this shitty chair. The yeah, G- well. GT Omega chair. I wish I could steal this and take it home, but I can't. So I just sit on my lousy wooden chairs that my parents gave me. Um, so yeah, but no, this is very good for my posture. And therefore, so ungrateful. I don't if know your if parents it... listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, we'll have those back. <laughs> I don't know what gaming things it does. Does it have a PC built into it? That'd be a good chair. I mean, just sat on it. Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I, I podcasts are good, aren't they? Like it's nice to hear people talk about things who aren't twats. That's a that's just a good thing in life, isn't it? I I certainly enjoy that. Um, I, I would like to do this more frequently, and I think we will now because all the bullshit mag deadlines are done, aren't they? No, no, no. no but I mean, they're we're close. on one right now. Yeah. <laughs> when that's done, though, in theory, it's okay. Yeah, isn't it? uh, the week after next, we should be fine. Yes. We also would have had a more. Uh, a, a one between this and the previous, but there might have been a slight the weekender one error yes. on that one. Yeah, we we, were... we did it, but in person. <laughs> yeah. And so a live audio experience happened, perhaps. and it may have to stay a live audio experience because I'm, I'm sad that the boy who pitched his um, open world vampire game they will never uh, get it made. <laughs> so here's a shout out to him. Shout out to him and to Tom Senior who recommended this child plays Vampire <laughs> the Masquerade Bloodlines, a game that is quite clearly 18. I should rated. say that the, the highlight from that panel was someone asking which game should have permadeath and Tom Senior going, football manager. <laughs> <laughs> that was legit. Yeah. That's what you missed, basically. That was good. And to be fair, we did then point out the age restriction on Vampire, <laughs> just, just in case people are thinking that... Yeah. You can't have us on that, Peggy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Corrupting, you know, influences and all that. No. Um, I'll share one anecdote to finish off the podcast, um, which was when I was um, 14, I tried to buy um, Sean Palmer's pro snowboarding from uh, Woolworths, which is a bad decision anyway. And um, the staff wouldn't serve it to me because it was a 15 plus. And I said, but it's a recommended rating, not a BBFC one. And he went, no. And, uh, <laughs> and that was a thing that happened to me. Um, so that's the end of the podcast. Um, if you have any questions, where do people email Phil? Uh, letters at pcgamer.com. But you're welcome. Podcast in your email subject line. You're also welcome to tweet them at pcgamerpod. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also drop them into the Discord, which a lot of our most faithful listeners do. Um, yep. But either way, yeah, we welcome your questions. And I won't dismiss uh, all of them or call them rubbish um, because I'm a nice guy sometimes. And a mag- new magazine just came out, didn't it? With- Literally today. It did. Yeah. I brought one down oh, so what? that you could look at it. Oh. The person on the cover looks like but isn't Phil. <laughs> No, he does a little bit. I don't know. I suppose he just looks like a. I don't know. Compare the two. Um, yeah. I, I did guess. actually have mm. to check that it wasn't. So. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, that's very good. Um, yeah, that's got uh, Thrones of Britannia, the Total War Saga. Um, we can learn how to take perfect screenshots. We've also done a making of Divinity Original Sin 2. Yes. Mm. And we've got some hot scoops for In the Valley of Gods, which is uh, <laughs> Campo Santo's new game. Yeah, I, think scoops. The, I think that's the only interview uh, for for that game that's around, so that's, uh, that's a cool thing that people can, can read. Mm-hmm. They can buy that now. Uh, it'll be out soon in the US, I'm sure. And uh, yes, those are those all the things? Um, I think those are all the things. Leave a review, if you like, of the podcast. You don't have to do that, though. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, We'll be back in the near future. Like and subscribe. Yes, like and subscribe. Uh, We'll be back in the near future. Thank you very much.